Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Olympia Okunma, a director who graduated from film school last year, yes, during the pandemic. She has a unique journey to share today because her education in film was conducted completely online, but she's managed to work on various indie sets and bigger productions with names like the NBA, Prime Video, and yes, you heard me correctly, Netflix. She's here to spill all the tea today. Olympia, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Awesome, awesome. So I'm so excited to hear about your film school experience because a lot of the guests I've had on the podcast have gone through like a video production program, maybe at a university, um, or have just been self-taught in all of their film skills. So I'm very interested to hear your film school experience. What school or program did you attend for film school? Uh, So I went to Toronto Film School um, and to make a complicated story less complicated I started off in a film production program that got changed to a video production program halfway through so Ah, um, I have both I guess yeah (laughs) awesome so what informed your decision to go to film school Mm, I don't know if people are gonna love this answer but what if it's it's just kind of weird so i was gonna be a lawyer um i'm nigerian and i moved here eight years ago um and i was gonna do the typical nigerian thing i was gonna be a lawyer and i even though i didn't really want to be it made sense because that's just kind of what you do and right okay what kind of lawyers are there and i googled it and i was like you know what if i can work in the industry and be a writer or be whatever i want to be then I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer because I might as well work with the industry in some way, shape, or form. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't do good at law in um, university. <laughs> Shocking when you're not passionate about it. So my parents were like, yeah. you know what, take a step back, take a break, which is very unorthodox for Nigerian parents to be like, you know what, we respect that you're not loving this, take a step back. Mm. So I did. So I've um, heard, yeah. And, <laughs> and I... Uh, I spent some time just kind of brainstorming with my parents and with my boyfriend. And I was like, what am I good at? Because I know I can't go writing because everyone was like, you can't go be a writer. You're not going to make any money. And I was like, good God. Okay. And one day my boyfriend randomly said, Olympia, I think you should be a director. And it was like, there was this like box in an attic in my brain that no one ever touched and no one ever thought Mm -hmm. to ask what's in that box. And I was like, oh my God, why did I not realize that that was like, an actual career path that's so weird that makes sense oh my god how and so i immediately right the light bulb went off of course literally like light bulbs and so i open instagram the next day and of course because you know life and ads immediately (laughs) saw an ad for toronto film school on instagram and i was like huh what are the odds so uh, they like inquire and everything so i inquired and um, I got a call right away saying, oh, hey, you want to come to our school? And after talking and getting through the application process with a lot of tears, because remember, I have no background in film. I never thought I could do this. So I did this application right. process, with storyboarding and creating a story and all this stuff I had never done before. And 
I cried a bit because I was like, am I in over my head? This is a lot. Um, but it wound up being one of the greatest things ever because when I submitted my application, I got all these calls from the school saying like that this was the most impressive one they'd ever seen and could they use mine as the kind of benchmark for what future applicants wow. should be doing if they ever ask what should this look like and then they give me a scholarship of sorts where they waived the international student fee for me so I got to go as if I was Canadian and I was like oh my god so that was kind of my whole journey was simply my boyfriend saying you should do this and then everything lined up and kind of proved him right that I should have been yeah. doing this the whole time oh my gosh that's an amazing story so what was it about you that I guess your boyfriend, you know, I guess saw in you or, um, you know, what clicked in his brain where he was like, this is something you need to explore. Was it a certain characteristic that you had? Was this like a certain interest that you've always had? What was that? Um, yeah, so I think it's just a little weird, quirky things about me. Um, I've always been into writing. It's been the weirdest thing. And, and the really good thing is even though my parents never loved the idea of me being a writer like an author um they also never stifled my talent for writing because sometimes I would just walk into a room with strangers my parents would be like my daughter's a writer and it's like oh yes I am now I have to like <laughs> write an essay for everyone here so right. I always had that right I always had everyone backing me and being like Olympia's a fantastic writer but then there was always this movie thing that just kind of stuck out which I would spend copious amounts of time like watching movies and tv from the good to the bad to the ugly i have seen some movies that yeah <laughs> um but i gave them all more than one benefit of the doubt i would keep on watching them and it was never about is this a good movie by everyone's standard i never thought that i just kind of waited for this feeling and if that movie made me feel a good way even if it was a movie by a really random celebrity who shouldn't be acting or something by like james cameron if it made me feel something, that feeling, I could ride that forever. I'm still riding it. Wow. There's still certain ways I feel when I watch Twilight that, like, people are like, oh, my God, Twilight, you're a filmmaker. Girl, so, <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> I right. felt like I felt like I wanted to be in this world. I understood that escape art of wanting to have this foreign thing around you. I always wanted to be able to understand everyone's life that I saw. So he saw that empathy in me, that need to, like, be someone else for a second and it was so yeah. strong with film and i had this habit of in nigeria going to the movie theater by myself and i would sit alone in an empty theater and i watched eclipse eight times like alone in a theater way beyond wow. the time when everyone was done with it and i would sit and i would watch the the end of it and i would just watch the credits and i didn't know why i was doing it which is really weird i did it every time for no reason i didn't remember anyone's names i didn't know what any of the words meant i was like yeah okay the best boy was this and the colorist was this and i'm like right okay i have not truly finished the movie let's go so when he kind of put all that together about me and saw how creative i was and like i have lines memorized from almost all the movies i've ever watched i'm like one of those weird ones so my friends I love used to that. have me they used to be like because i went to boarding school for six years in nigeria so we didn't have phones we could only watch tv on weekends so when they got bored in the middle of the day, they'd be like, okay, Olympia, okay, pick a movie and do it. They never said, tell us about it. They always said, do it. And I would literally just stand in the middle of a room with like 30 girls around me and I'd be like, okay, the movie is Treasure Planet. The first scene <laughs> is thus. <laughs> and I would just kind of go off. And 
I'm acting everyone's part. And like, I would get so upset if I missed the scene. I'm like, no, 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 okay. So you know how I said this guy did this? Okay, so here's what happened immediately after that because I forgot. And like, I make sure like, I play it out like that. So it's little weird things like that about me that made him like, um, you need to take everything you know and use it to create for other people so they can feel everything you feel when you watch movies because people are not feeling that anymore. And I was like, yes, sir, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have such a personal personal connection to the movies that you watch, and like they, that's exactly I feel like the purpose of movies is to impact your audience on an emotional level, and like for you to like you were saying ride that high, that must be like the one of the most amazing feelings for you. Um, so I, but I could imagine going into film school without having like a technical background in film, um, but still having this passion. What was that like for you? Were you really nervous starting the program? Were you, you were having all these self-doubts? Or were you like, I have a passion for this. We're just going to go for it. Um, to be honest, the first thing I did was curse my dad. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> like I think it was the year before I moved to Canada. We did this trip. And we did um, the UK, the States, and then Canada. And I didn't know that he was bringing me here to kind of show me that I should move here. Um, which mm. was very cheeky of him. But when we were <laughs> in one of the places, he took us to Best Buy, me and my little sister and my cousin. And we're looking around and I saw a little camcorder. And I was like, can I get one, please? And my dad's like, no, because everything I buy you, you lose, which is fair. I did. But like, I was like, come on. Like, this is so random. I haven't asked for anything this weird. Like, I don't even have an Xbox. I don't have any of those weird gadgets. Like, please. And he's like, nope absolutely not i have seen no reason for you to have this and i'm like you know what whatever so imagine me going to film school and i'm like i don't have a camcorder because of my father and i kind of was like ah but honestly right. otherwise i i was so fueled with the passion and i was like this has to go well and i have no idea what it's going to look like and i have this habit of i refuse to over prepare uh, prepare <laughs> for certain situations because you can do that to a fault sometimes. So of course, like even for this podcast, for example, I knew I was going to do this. And uh, there's this part of me, this very type A part who wants to like, make sure like I have everything written down, make sure I know what I'm saying. But then there's this other part of me that's so much stronger that is like, girl, when you walk into this room, you're going to command it with a ferociousness that is unparalleled. So you need to trust yeah. that other person in you and let it go. Mm -hmm. And I always call it my, I call what do I call my autopilot. And I always tell everyone, I'm like, y'all, when I need to talk on my autopilot, I don't know what I'm saying, and I'll probably remember it later, but that is right. fine. So I went into film school on autopilot, and I was like, whatever happens right now, it's going to happen. And it was really hard because I did it online, so I actually didn't have any film resources. I didn't have any of the equipment. I wasn't allowed to go to the school and use the stuff that everyone else in my program was getting to use. I couldn't use any of the gear. I couldn't even use anyone like on my set if I ever need to make a movie. I was just yeah. like in like Zoom classes basically. And they're like, make a film, but with no camera. So I wound up buying all my equipment myself from camera stores wow. around and, and uh, Best Buy and Amazon. And it was a lot of trial and error. And a lot of money has gone into me doing that. But one thing I will say, like if anyone takes anything from this podcast is that was probably one of the best things I think anyone like especially me could have done during film school because 
I realized I like to look at things very glass half full. And if I had been in film school and I had used all the resources they had, it would have spoiled me to a certain degree because you're looking at expensive cameras. You're looking at like the Sony F6 and stuff like that. And that's what you're using. And then you come out and you have to rely on the school's resources and your people around you and the school giving you like shooting space and you come out and no one cares. But I had yeah. to learn from my very first day that you need your own stuff. You need your own gear. You need to learn how to talk to people and get your own space. You need to find out how to hire people, figure out who to pay, how to pay them. Like I had to learn that with no class to teach me that. And with my program being changed to video production and the priority was no longer film halfway through, it was like, okay, so now I have to be in a video production program, which is not my passion and still figure out film. So I tried to riot and go to war with the school but they didn't care so i was like okay i'm gonna do this i'm a straight a student i'm on the honor roll let's just ace this program but i'm gonna keep on working in film and i'm gonna kill it so i like made a short film when no one asked me to i like did all this other stuff that no one asked me to do and i was like if you keep going beyond what anyone asks you eventually people will listen to you so that's just kind of what i did yeah i mean and that's a great mentality to have because i I don't know if I were in that situation. I, I I feel like I would have just given up if that if my my path was seemingly like if I left it up to the powers that be to change my course, I think I would have just thrown in the towel and said, This isn't my passion, this isn't what I want to do. I really commend you for sticking with it and sticking through it and, and finding opportunities on your own and saying, you know, they're not gonna do it for me. I'm gonna have to make this work myself. I really, really admire that about about your your story. Um so why, what changed specifically about the program? Were there no more, I guess there were no more like directing classes, producing classes. Was it strictly about like the technical skills that you need operating a camera? How did your program change? I, I honestly wish that they had explained that to me. That is one question that I have never had an answer to because wow. it happened like all in one fell swoop. It happened a year later. And when I say, like, I was, if you ask my parents, everyone will say this, in school, I was what you call very mediocre. It was almost upsetting. It was like, okay, um, how are you so middle of the road? Like, how is it never, like, wavering? <laughs> my parents were so concerned. And so they brought me here and made me, like, redo the last bit of high school, even though I'd already graduated and all this stuff, just to get me on the right path, right? Mm -hmm. And so I get to film school and I made this deal with my parents because Nigerian parents are so giving. They have this thing where it's very different from the Western part of the world where it's like, oh, move out when you're 18, pave your own way. No, Nigerian parents wow. are like, stay with me as long as you need to. I am here for you. When you feel ready to go, I will let you go. You don't need to ever worry about anything. When I ever thought I should worry about money, my parents were like, no. You're not allowed to worry about money. Do you have a roof over your head? Yes. Do you have food to eat? Yes. Have you ever wanted more toys than you have? Yes. But that, that's on you. That's because you're greedy. So, no. <laughs> so, that, I had to go to my parents at the start of film school and I had to be like, hey, I don't think you guys should pay for this. I think I should pay for it. Because the thing about people paying for the stuff that you're doing is you not owe it to them to do this. And I didn't want to owe this to anybody but myself because I needed to prove to myself that this was something I could do. So I had to get a part-time job and I had to do this online. So I was paying for school monthly so I never had to find myself in debt because I never wanted to start my future with any kind of debt holding me back. So that I had Amen. to like take on jobs that I didn't want to while like pursuing my, my passion, right? So I figured mm -hmm. out a monthly plan with them and everything. So 
I'm so invested in this program. I am sitting every day at my desk in my room studying like no one should be studying. I am like a type A version of myself I've never understood. I didn't even know I was capable of working that hard. So when I was on the honor roll, obviously I started writing that high. I'm like, keep doing this. You're amazing. We love you. Keep doing it. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the first year, I just got an email saying, hey, your production is now switching to video production. Your course is switching to video production, which means we're going to be doing more of like selling yourself on YouTube, how to be a YouTuber, how to be a like commercial person. And so I was like, okay so there was no no more attention paid to filmmaking it was all about commercializing yourself selling your brand literally like here's how to make your website blah blah blah, which is great stuff after Mm -hmm. i've learned how to be a director but i had only taken one directing course and it was not enough it was just me reading a bunch of books and watching a bunch of old movies so i was like yeah okay I've, i've read the books how do i do it and before i could figure out how to do it they had changed it and I talked to everyone I could. I emailed everyone. I emailed the director of the school. I'm like, hey, what is going on? So he he was like, I don't know what to tell you. It's just what it is. Um, again, luckily, I'm kind of a glass half full person. I was like, look, you have to give me something. I cannot sit back and just take weird courses that have nothing to do with me. So I want to be a filmmaker. And right now I have no money. So I need to learn how to make these movies myself without a crew. And you haven't taught me how to use a camera. And I'm also not on campus, so I can't even touch a camera you have. Please let me take a photography course so that I understand how to operate a camera. Because if I can take a photo, I can take a video, please. And he was like, you know what? That's a fair, that's a fair negotiation. I'll let you in the photography wow. course. So I did All the right. photography course, bought my camera, learned everything I could about photography so that I could start making movies. And then I had to do all the other stuff. So it was kind of like, now I'm distracted because I have to focus on video production while I'm shooting movies. So I had to go, I quit my job working retail and I went to go work at a camera store instead. And I had to learn everything I could about cameras from there. And by selling cameras and selling this experience of what every camera stood for, what it represented, what its strengths and weaknesses were, I was also teaching myself all of that. So in order to be great at this, I had to be a great salesperson. And by doing that, people were recognizing at my work. And so filmmakers were coming up to me and they were giving me advice or telling me where to get rental gear or giving me opportunities to like shoot stuff for them, which was amazing. So I got a lot of jobs shooting for people based on new experience. And I think I killed it. Like they said, I did a really good job. So that's great. But that's kind of what had to happen because with no answers to my questions, I just kind of had to blindly continue the rest of it I guess yeah so what would you say you got out of film school because it sounds like a lot of this you were the you were in charge of your own kind of path here you were the one that created your own opportunities do you regret going to film school at all do you think that you could have done it better on your own because it feels like you kind of had to do that anyway I I try not to regret it because I am very strongly of the mindset that everything does happen for a reason. And it's very hard to realize what the reason is when it's a bad thing. But I'm a very introspective and retrospective person. So, and I also like to project forward. So I like to see how this is going to play out in the big picture in my life. When I look back, what is the value this is going to have had when I was a kid? Um, So I started doing that right as soon as it happened. Obviously, I... I pulled the Beyonce thing, give myself 24 to 48 hours to be upset and rant with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, you can only be upset for so long. 
things need to get done. So I am, when I look at my film school experience, even though it didn't necessarily do much for me, um, it gave me my first opportunity. I got to, because I was doing so well in school, they let me work on a fashion show, um, which was my first exposure to a production of sorts. It was not a film production, but it was a production. And they also let me go to a, a small award show like within um, Ontario. So I got to like shadow um, one of the camera operators there and I got to meet one of the directors who was teaching me. And so it was just kind of like my first look at what this looks like. And I learned a lot being on those two productions. I learned that people in film schools, if they're going to create an online program, which is very different for film, there have to be a number of things accommodated for, which I told the school. Um, it's first of all the culture kids are kids they're they can be toxic and the priorities are upside down a lot of the time and not a lot of people can be like this is why i'm here so being the only or maybe one of two online film students that would be chosen for such an opportunity there would be maybe six or seven from campus that were chosen and there was an obvious divide and i don't mean like a cute obvious divide like the way that it is now where everyone's trying to be polite i mean we're watching the movie mean girls like they are not yeah. talking to the kids that are from online because they're like, what are you even doing here? Right. They wow. have a different mm -hmm. attitude. They have that stereotypical grandiose filmmaker attitude you see in TV. That's like, no filmmakers like that. Who's actually that cocky? You haven't done anything. You're in school. Yeah. <laughs> like you cannot have a Spielberg attitude and zero yeah. Spielberg on your shoulders. Like how is that happening? And yet you go in and you see exactly that. So I was watching that and I was like, that's very interesting because are they intimidated by me? I'm online. You have more resources than I do. So for you to have the level of bitterness you do, is really sad because I can only imagine that if I was in their shoes, I'd be like, oh my God, how can I help you every way I can? Because we're yeah. both here, we're both paying tuition. Maybe I can like help you and be on your productions and stuff like that, but that's just me, right? So I decided to not take that so in such a salty way. I just have figured out like, I'm gonna have my production company when I feel like I'm comfortable in my directing career enough to create my own company. And I know mm -hmm. what its name is going to be and I know what it's going to stand for. And little things like this that I've been through, I've just kind of archived. And I'm going to try to deal with that when my company comes to play. Maybe it's no longer the fact that you went to film school that is going to be the basis of you getting hired in my company. It's going to be based on your passion. It's going to be how hard can you work? Can you see eye to eye with me? Because I may run a company, but I need everyone from my janitor to me to be on the same page. I need anyone that yeah. I call on to be able to step up to the plate. So you can pretend that you're going to be a great filmmaker, but that's not my concern. What matters is that you are so passionate about this that you don't feel the need to be venomous to everyone around you in order to get yeah. there because this is not a track team. This is soccer. Like without me and you, this movie can't work. If the janitor wasn't here, this couldn't work because this place would not be clean. So yeah. we can't treat anyone with any less respect than we want. So that's kind of what I've been learning. And that's what film school taught me is they're not teaching you respect. They're teaching you, hurry up, struggle, get where you want to be, step whenever you have to. And it's like, yeah, it's a work of art. Where are you running to? Take your time and make this beautiful instead of speeding up and making this a horrible experience for everyone who worked on it. Because your movie could win an Oscar, but if it was a toxic set, 
then whose fault is that? Is it the film schools that raise these kids? Is it the sets that are like letting them get away with things? Where is the problem, right? So that's where the whole reforming Hollywood thing comes into my kind of aspirations in life, you know? Yeah, of course. Do you think that that like toxic kind of film school atmosphere that you experienced, do you think that that reflects the industry as it stands now as a whole once you leave film school? I I really think it does. I think that um, it's very, life is very movie-esque if people really look hard enough. We really, the stereotypes aren't being created by the movies. They're just emulating us because when you see those kids who are like, you know, pretending that they're amazing directors already, even though they've done 0.5 things, they come out with this ego that is unparalleled, right? And they think they deserve to be in every room and they have a really strong attitude and blah, blah, blah. I'm better than everyone. Don't talk to me. I know better than you do. And, you know, they may be that way at first on their little film sets and their little like shorts, but when they go right. to bigger sets, they still have that attitude. Now they're part of a team of people that have that same attitude. They're like, ha, we get to work on big sets. The rest of you don't. What did you do after film school? Nothing. Well, I worked on Jurassic Park. Okay, calm down. Like, actually calm down. So my thing is, right. it is feeding through because the longer we're tolerating that attitude, the longer it carries on. And then it becomes no longer a phase, but a problem. Because now we're making these children be like they get to just stomp and demand until they get what they want because in their minds filmmakers and people on filmmakers teams have to be like that cocky confident you know threatening and it's like (laughs) it's a movie if i want anyone to feel any sense of joy watching this they need to see there was joy in making it it's the way you can taste when like food was made with love you know what i mean that's what a film should be but they're not teaching that you should make a film with love. They're teaching you should make it with as many resources as possible, as many people as possible, as much money as possible. And so that's what everyone's caring about is the things being used to make it, the time, energy. They're just like, da, 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 do, do, do. And if you're not overworking yourself, you're not working at all. Why not just be on set for 17 hours? Um, We could just make this movie last longer. I'm sorry. I know money is a crazy thing. I know you have to plan things out, but someone set yeah. that standard. And if no one fixes the standard, it's going to continue to be that. People should not be in inhumane conditions because we are shooting a scene of a movie. That is unreal to me. It is absolutely insane. And there's no reason for that. Like standing all day when only like 20 people need to be standing is upsetting because if people are not at their top performance, then how on earth is this movie going to look great? Mistakes are going to start happening, you know? So I feel like that's the kind of stuff that they're learning in film school is never sit down, never let anyone see you sit down, that kind of stuff. Never rest, never take a second to yourself. Don't do this. You should know before they ask you. People are learning. People are malleable. We're evolving. If we can't ask questions to get help because we're scared of Mm -hmm. authority figures, we're going to continue to make mistakes. And then we become experienced people who are continually making mistakes that people are letting left slide. So now it's like a problem. So that's why like, I think film school is really feeding into a lot of the culture of full-blown movies that's now. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I've had the opportunity of working with a few NYU students on their, on their films. Um, mm-hmm. And I noticed kind of an overall sense of entitlement. Like yeah. going, so I had the opportunity of being a first AD on this short film that I worked on. And the director was so like 
I, I guess I, I couldn't tell if it was in film school, they weren't teaching the directing skills that you actually need or this perception that being a director means you're the boss. What you say goes, you know what I mean? Like I was on set and this, this director was so focused on getting um, the shot list exactly perfect that he completely disregarded the talent. We were filming, um, it was about a troll that lived under a bridge and we were filming like literally in like under like a bridge in like a gross kind of swampy area. This woman, the talent is like rolling around in dirt and you know, this director, instead of like checking in on the talent, like, hey, do you need to take five? Hey, like, I see you, you, you know, you scraped your knee while you were rolling around in the dirt there. Do you want us to take care of that? And then we can, you know, take five and then we'll come back and shoot. Like, he was just so cutthroat. And the fact that like it needed to be done in his time, in the way that he wanted with his vision, that he wasn't taking care of his people on set. And it really led me to believe, like, what are they actually teaching students in film school? Like, what was it that you learned in your directing class do you feel like you left that class with with tips that'll actually help you in directing in the real world i am obsessed with that question um and i also have something <laughs> i want to address about what you said about that experience but yeah what i learned in directing class is that i'm really good at reading but i've known that since i was a kid so i learned that reading i learned how to read a lot of books i read everything about directing and i read about every director and they made me watch so many movies and i'm like okay so i am one to take in information like my boyfriend says i tend to download information and i don't process it until much later so i mm. took the whole term as just downloading and i was doing everything that was necessary and participating as as was necessary but looking back at it now it's like i was taught what everyone else did i wasn't taught how to be i was taught how to imitate and i was given a certain pool of people to imitate now, don't even get me started on the fact that these are all white men. I was just going to say. <laughs> I just, I don't even want to think about it because I'm going to get upset. But um, right. I, I was taught how to imitate and who to imitate, right? I and That's fine. Like, and everyone's like, you haven't watched the classics, you're in film. And I'm like, how dare you tell me that in order for me to be here, I should have watched what a bunch of dudes did back in the day. I'm really happy they did it. But if... Like, if they weren't focused on what they were doing, they couldn't have done it. They weren't looking at everyone behind them, telling them what to do. They were like, I feel like this now, and I'm going to do this now. So why are we all looking at them to tell us how to now? So I'm never, like, there are some classics that I will never see, not because I don't like them, but because I had a period in my life where I had to watch those movies, and that was in directing class, and I watched them. But now... I get to decide how this turns out. I get to decide what version of Hollywood I want to live in. It's not going to be the version in the 50s or the 60s or whatever the heck everyone was doing their thing. That was its own time. Okay, things are in black and white, whatever. But now, I'm like, I don't have the time. So directing didn't teach me anything. It just taught me that like people handle things differently. Congratulations. That's not brand new information. Good for you. Right. You shot this way. You shot this way. Maybe I'll, I'll borrow a concept from what you did, but I will not make my whole movie the way you did. And to add to or to comment on what you said about what you worked on um i think that's really where it also becomes problematic in the industry because if in school like they're just teaching you how to be in power and not how to be a director um the industry is doing the same thing right they're right now <laughs> it's so hard to want to be a director like it takes every ounce of fiber in my core to source the strength to do this every day because when you step outside and you tell someone on a set i want to be a director they're like oh, okay so are you in the 
Directors Guild. And I'm like, I, I'm on my way to it. I, I'm a apprentice, as it were, and I'm getting my days. But the really interesting thing that I guess I haven't really said in public is that I don't want to, I don't need to be there. It would be cool to be part of the union. It will. And the first time I didn't get in, in Ontario, I literally wept and it was really sad. Um, yeah. But it's just like, I don't, um, everyone says to me now, okay, so are you going to go the AD route? Because that's the only way you can go. You have to join the union, mm. become a PA, then become a TAD, a trainee assistant director, then a third, then a second, then a first, and then maybe someone will let you direct an episode of a show and eventually you'll get to direct your own movie. <laughs> and I, the wow. laugh, the laugh that happens within me when they say that is rapturous because I'm like, so you're telling me that I should spend the next how many years doing that? Because I will be 50 come my first movie. Like when I did my first, un- when I did yeah. my first union interview, I, I made sure I took note of everyone in the room. I was like, okay, so what are all your roles? And they were like, oh, I'm a second. I'm a third. I'm a second. I'm a second. How long? 20 years, 25, 15, 30. <laughs> Excuse me? Oh I don't gosh. have 25 years to be an AD. And I don't see how that is a career that leads me to be a director. Because first of all, how many ADs are successful directors now? I don't like when you list the great directors, I don't know which one of them was an AD for one thing. That's my main right. thing. But secondly, an AD needs a fully different skill set from a director. And why they're telling you to go be this person and then hopefully you become this person is beyond me because being a director is not taught. That's one thing I learned in film school. You can't teach me this skill. This is in my heart. It's in my being i was programmed to be a director the greats were programmed to be directors or they threw big enough tantrums that someone gave them money and said go direct this movie and they said yay so that's fine but i don't think you can teach someone to love directing because i think to be a great director you have to love it you have to be a leader and people that are directors now are managers they're just learning how to like command a group of people that's not what leadership is. Leadership is, I am willing to, if we all need to push this car up a hill for this shot, I am down here pushing this with you. I am not back there on my phone, in my chair, with my name on it, watching my whole team do it. That's not leadership. That is just management. And that's not who you should be as a director. So if you think you can sit here and be like, do this, do this, do this, do this. I don't care if you're sick. That's wild to me because your passion isn't flowing through. People aren't going to work with you anymore. And if they can't say your set was the best place to work, what can they say? My movie can be trash, but if I made everyone I worked with happy, I'm going to keep making more movies because they will always be in my corner. But I could have a million dollar idea that no one will want to work on with me because I was a nightmare to work on, to work with the last time. So like, how how is no one getting this? We're literally supposed to be self-sufficient beings, humanity. And yet somehow we have this pack mentality where we just think that whatever someone said 30 years ago should simply go. And I'm like, that's okay with you. I'm never going to be that person. Like the film industry is very flawed in that regard, I really think. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And you're not saying that there's no value in learning what an AD does or placing value on that <laughs> role. Because I do think to be a good director, you have to understand what every person on your set 
what their job is, how they feel about it, what the expectation is. Like you have to have to understand that. I, I totally agree. But like you were saying, to spend 10 plus years in a role that has nothing to do with what you actually want to do and doesn't even call on the skills to be able to like if you're a first ad okay maybe you can project manage right maybe you're good at, at keeping to a schedule you can do that but you're not working like directly with the people that's the thing directing is all about the relationships that you're cultivating right because you have to cultivate that in order to let your vision come through on the screen and, and to connect with your actors. So what is it that you like about directing? Is it that kind of relationship building leadership part of it? I think that, um, and to agree with you, I, I, my motto is if I don't know the role of everyone on my set, then I'm not doing a good enough job. And that's what mm -hmm. I see this phase of my life as. Because right now I am a director, I have directed, I got into a film festival, it was a great experience. And that was all I needed to tell me you can do this like this is what your soul is built to do i have never felt more myself than in that moment but i also need to take a step back because i couldn't just keep doing that i i needed to know every role and not just know it by studying it because i don't work like that i needed to know it by working it so i yeah. that's why i got my camera and stuff i am physically capable of shooting my own movie right now with all of my gear because i bought all the gear I could possibly need to shoot something by myself. Um, so I know what demands I will have of my cinematographer and what demands I'll have of my lighting crew. I, I know my understanding of sound and I know how far to push my sound design team. And I have worked on the AD team on the Ryan Reynolds movie for Netflix. And that was its own thing where I had to understand the tasking challenge of being um, an AD because they allowed me to really step into their shoes for every day. And now I'm a cast assistant and it's also teaching me how assistant life is like and when to push and when not to push and when to be understanding and when it's like okay i have certain demands so i take every opportunity as that because if i can't work these intricate seemingly obsolete like positions i will never understand when i'm pushing people beyond their limit like humans are humans you need to know when they're going to be okay and when they're not because people are not just here to be bossed around so my wanting to be a director, this all is fueling that because I think the meaning of being a director has so become flawed over time. I feel like what I'm seeing a lot of on set is, yeah, there is a lot of sitting, like just sitting in your chair and waiting for everyone else to figure it out for you. And the, what I've heard a lot is, um, oh, directors deal with the main talent and the AD deals with the background. You know, they deal with everything else in the scene, background actors and all the other stuff happening so the director can focus on the main talent. I think that, I don't know that it needs to be that. I think that directing is, I want the scene to go a certain way from my main actor to the person whose job it is to run across the street behind them. And I'm not gonna take that away from my AD, but that is just as important to me. And I feel like I shouldn't be sitting. I feel like I should be orchestrating this. This is a beautiful symphony of things happening. And I want it to always feel that way. I want my background actors to feel just as comfortable as my main actors. I don't need that extra preferential treatment to be happening, that like, don't talk to me, I'm too busy. I'm here to be doing this movie with you and you deserve 100% of my attention right now. If my attention is ever divided, then it can only be because I'm planning something for this movie that may not be happening right now. But it shouldn't be because I'm trying to secure this deal from here and this from here. The world will wait like everyone is running around as if people will not pause if you ask them to so they can hold on and if that movie i'm trying to plan down the road can't hold on for me to shoot my current movie 
then I'll create a different one because that's the beauty of being a writer director. I don't have to buy your movie idea. I can just make my own. Like, but I only make my own by being open-minded and I have to stop looking at everyone else and stop looking at what everyone else has done, what they're doing. Stop making so many sequels. I cannot understand the lack of human imagination going on right now where every movie is a sequel. I don't know what's happening because I can come up with 50 film ideas a day. So I don't know how no one else can. I don't know what's going on there. So I'm just like, people just need to refocus and change their priorities. So I want to direct so I can be part of my team and be part of making that art, not just some removed like, oh, yes. So I want you to paint this this way and I want you to use this brush for this stroke absolutely not i'm gonna grab that brush from you and you're gonna show me how to do it make me know how i can make this better everyone's feedback is necessary so that i can help make this better because i am simply helping this project progress i am not the driving force for its progression without anyone else here i couldn't do it for myself you know so that's why i want to be a director to reinforce that belief and it's going to be very hard to do because people have some very very nasty habits right now in film that i need to eject from them as soon as possible Absolutely. Um, can we just take a step back real quick and I guess define directing for our audience? Because um, I, I feel like sometimes, I mean, for me personally, too, I think I've conflated the, the role of a producer or the role of an AD with that of a, a director based on my experiences on set. So if you could just define for myself and our audience what the role of a director is um, right now, you know, not the one that you, you envision it to be, but what it is in Hollywood in this moment so right now stepping onto a set if you had three people in front of you the director ad and the producer the producer would be introduced to me as the person who is essentially like they're controlling the money in some way shape or form there's multiple different producers but this person is making sure that we are working with our money properly we are not running over time all of that because they have to deal with it if that ever happens and they shouldn't have to deal with that we should be living by the schedule the ad mm -hmm. is creating that schedule so it is their job to make sure we're following it so the producer doesn't have to deal with paying for an extra day and all that stuff so the ad is taking care of the background they're taking care of the crew they are making sure everything is moving smoothly so the director can focus on their vision and then the director is the visionary he has read the script and he has to interpret or she wow it's happening i'm literally saying yeah he, as if it's <laughs> belongs to a man like i'm not a director the director has to um, make sure the vision comes to life properly based on a lot of um prior work and pre-production and and storyboarding and shot listing they have seen the script and they have said this is how i envision it looking and people have said yes we want to go with your vision and so this director is making sure their vision translates to screen by communicating with the whole team. I want it to be shot this way. I want the sound to be this way. I want the background to move this way or that way. And then everyone else just runs around to make sure that happens so the director can have what they want on the screen in front of everyone. So, yeah. So the director has a big responsibility. I mean, I feel like that was yeah. kind of obvious, but the way that you explained it, like they have a lot of power on set, mm -hmm. I mean, and in a lot of ways, if a film doesn't go the way it's supposed to, do you think that falls on the director's shoulders? It does, because I mean, no one's going to be like, oh, it was the lighting guy who made it trash. They're not, right? Like, <laughs> they're going to say it's the director, because why didn't you, right. you know, make sure the lighting guy did it right? Um, so it's going to fall on the director. And um, I think that's where the problem stems is if you just have a vision, um, and you're just like, make this vision happen. There are flaws to that logic because we are not like demigods. You know, I can't 
make what you see real unless you really give me the materials to do so so yeah um i feel like as a director that's why it's important to know when you are pushing too far and when you're not pushing far, far enough and also to know like what hills you're willing to die on and what things you have to sacrifice i think that if i wanted a scene shot in this way that no one's ever shot before i can't just go to my team and be like okay I want this scene you've never seen before. I want it to look like this and walk away. No, I'm going to come to you prepped with vision and storyboards. And I'm going to show you inspo. And I'm, I may have to ask someone to literally do a graphic design of what I'm trying to ask you to do. Right? We're going to work through. We're going to talk and power through. I can't just be like, here is a photo of what I want you to do. Please figure out how to make it happen. We're going to talk it through. Because if I want to do this again, I'm going to have to explain this to someone again. I feel like they need to see it as a learning experience. It's like, I'm learning how to be better with every production instead of just, I am the great puppeteer of this and I just, you know, do dance when I ask you to dance. Like, I'm, I'm not just a puppeteer of what's going on. I am, I need help. I am building a show with you. And so I think that's what needs to happen because you do have the most power and it does all fall on you. And that should be enough responsibility that, you're like, I need to have my hand in every pot that is being stirred right now because if I can't vouch for what happened here, then what am I doing? You know? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the biggest challenges that a director can face on set? Um, I think lack of communication can be a really big thing. I think especially when it comes to that fear aspect, when people are too scared to talk to you because you are the, you know, the big bad boss of the set. Um, I feel like people may be too scared to tell you and they may just like make it look like they did something. And um, so that is a pretty big struggle because when you look at the product that you want and you see that like it's flimsy or not done properly or it's it was all just done um, for eye service just so you could see, but not actually to its core. That's a very big challenge that um, I may not have seen a lot of the time, but it's it's I think I believe it'd be a big challenge. I think that. I learned from working with Sean Levy on the Adam project. He he mentored me a bit. Him and Josh McLaughlin, the first AD, they were my mentors. And Sean taught me something so important. He actually does something really interesting where he edits as he shoots, which is so amazing. So he's always on the phone with the wow. editor. And yeah, he edits pretty much every day as he shoots. And the editor is like with him and he's like, here's everything we shot yesterday. And they'll make the entire scene they shot into the exact progression on, the, on a rough scale of what it's going to look like in final. Right. And so based on that and based on the actors performances and whatever changes may have like been skipped over or adjustments, he'll look at all that and be like, OK, so this is what wound up happening yesterday as opposed to what was in the script. So based on that, we now have to recalibrate how the rest of this is going to go instead of waiting until the end and being like, oh, my God, what right. happened on this day and how could we not match it up? Right. So that is one of the most genius things I have seen the director do. And I've told him. And if I haven't, I hope he hears this. I'm going to borrow that technique. I'm going to do that. But um, I feel like that's a big challenge for a lot of directors because your job is you're one of the only people whose job is from the beginning to the end. You are there from pre-production to production and to post-production. Right. You are there until the movie is out. You are editing in the room with your editor. Well, at least some people are. So you want to make sure that you can, like I said, vouch for every second of time and because it may be a big set, you may not be able to see everything. So since that is a challenge, because you are one person, then it's important to deal with that challenge by editing on the go, because now you can account for things you didn't see, 
and make up those differences later. If it means talking to a producer about getting another day to shoot or having second unit shoot it or having like whatever happen or rewriting the script, which he had to do a few times. They fully had to rewrite some things because they're like, it's not going to flow with what we did. So him and Ryan had to go back and like rewrite some scenes, which is insane in the middle of a production. And then they had to relearn new lines and fix it, you know? So I feel like that's a really big challenge that I've watched one great director really deal with in an expert level that's amazing so tell me more about the the project that um with uh, with ryan yeah, reynolds and everything yeah yeah uh the adam project is great I, I think it's coming out next year um i believe in 2022 um it was really cool it was um i i think everyone knew about it it was ryan put out this um kind of it was like an internship of sorts um it was a trainee program where he announced that he was going to fly 10 people to Vancouver um, and have them work on his movie. And I saw it again because of my boyfriend. I don't know what this boy is, but I literally can't let him go. I don't know if he's like a talisman or something. I'm just going to keep him. But um, <laughs> basically, basically um, we were just like hanging out with my uncle. And then they started talking about how all these companies are hiring um, people that don't necessarily have like college degrees. For their programs and so i went on google while they were talking because i spaced out and i simply didn't care um i was like what companies are doing this and so i saw i think i saw tesla maybe and i saw google i saw a lot of big companies and i saw netflix and again light bulb how have i been in film for almost three years and i never thought to look and see if netflix was hiring how is this happening so instead of getting upset about the fact that i didn't have a common train of thought i went and i right. typed in netflix jobs in canada first thing that came up was the Ryan Reynolds thing, which I had never heard of at the time. And they had started accepting applications already and it was two days left to go. And I was like, no way. I had two days to submit this thing and that was that. So I, I told my boyfriend, I was like, don't tell anyone in the house. You're the only one who knows. And I ran downstairs, changed my shirt. It was a one-sided interview. <laughs> and I just like read the questions and I was like, okay. And then I answered and answered and answered. And I was like, okay, you know what? If I get it, I get it. And um, it was a long waiting period. I wound up working with Disney as a COVID monitor because I was almost certain I wasn't going to get the job. And then I found out I got it about a, like two weeks before they flew us out. So that was great. Only 10 of us were chosen of, they said about 65,000 people. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was insane. And then what? they flew us all out from, yeah. <laughs> I th- when you, f- from, when you um, started saying, when Olivia, when you started saying that number, I was like, oh, out of 65 people. And then you followed up with thousand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was Good insane. I, I honestly remember I used to go to the post because um, he posted it on his um, page and then his um, his company and the initiative group Effort Initiative have their own Instagram page where they also posted it. So I would go through his post, the group Effort Initiative post, and then go on Twitter and read all the comments every single day to see if ever anyone was like, I got in today, right? Which was nerve wracking and I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then one day I went and I looked at it and everyone was like, people were like, oh, I, I got my email today i didn't get in good luck to whoever did and i was like no and i kept like refreshing my email and like i wasn't getting anything like oh my god maybe they're staggering the like rejection letters by region i was like oh my god and then i got mine saying that i got an interview with the first ad and i almost defecated myself i was like excuse me (laughs) what (laughs) and um so that was just insane and I got there and oh my god, the like it was beautiful. He flew to Vancouver. I'm from Ontario and I've been to Vancouver before, but it, like outside my window right now, it's just mountains. Like I've moved to Vancouver full time now because of the Adam mm-hmm. Project, but 
it's just mountains outside my window and i live in the middle of the city like basically it's in new york city and it's just mountains everywhere it's beautiful um and he took care of everything when i say everything i mean like he got us apartments and he got us rental cars and he paid for his our salaries out of his pocket it was not the productions doing and everything so he really went above and beyond in making sure we were taken care of and we didn't have to deal with that financial aspect he paid for he made sure we got stipends for our groceries every week so we also didn't have to pay out of our actual salary to get that so he was very caring in that regard and the production was the biggest i'd ever been on i mean i just came off of a disney one right and the disney one was huge it had hundreds of people on it it was a big budget disney movie um and this was bigger this is the biggest budget netflix movie that has ever been created in the history of time right so i was overwhelmed because the the people on this movie are the biggest in the industry i mean like i was overwhelmed i mean josh mclaughlin worked on titanic he was the first ad on titanic and the first ad on avatar right like that is that alone that being my mentor was like i didn't know how to cope (laughs) i was like i don't even know what to ask you (laughs) because (laughs) how do i ask you these things (laughs) you know what i mean and like i i've always like um fancied myself as the kind of person who doesn't have a favorite director because of everything i've told you and also because i don't think that i think it's very hard for people to make consistently good art so i can't just say like i'm a fangirl of this one director regardless of if all the movies were good because maybe they yeah, didn't have one yeah. good movie and the really good thing about sean was i didn't know what sean had done when i stepped onto the adam project i i didn't even know who he was i had never heard his name before because i stay away from all of that and i don't watch the oscars anymore anything i'm just like no i don't want to know it's all about me i'm very selfish <laughs> so um when i eventually looked up sean after he had talked to me because he's the kindest man i've ever met I saw that he happened to have created all of our favorite movies growing up. Cheaper by the Dozen, Gate Night, Just Married, um, what's it called? Night at the Museum, all of them. Like, those were what? his movies. And I was like, That's awesome. and he's responsible for Stranger Things. He's a producer of Stranger Things, and then he directs two episodes every season. And I'm like, Sean, I haven't seen a single, <laughs> I haven't not seen a movie you've done. Like, right. I have loved all of them. You just happen to be the closest to a favorite because even though it's not like he's not winning like crazy Oscars or anything he made those movies that made me feel things you know the ones I was talking yeah. about and I'm like that's crazy so I really wanted to get to know him and he took me under his wing very quickly and I oh my god that was the best thing ever he spent every day with me I was with him by his side when I wasn't with Josh and he walked me through his process and he walked me through what his life is like and he let me in on conversations I don't think I should have even been here as like the child that I am at 24 at the time I turned 25 (laughs) when I was there but I was like I don't think I should be this isn't appropriate like I don't think I should be here but also in my heart I knew I always expected to have a table at the room but I mean it wasn't just a bunch of kids at like a museum on a field trip you know that was one thing that me and the rest of the people in the program had to keep reminding ourselves especially when we would feel a bit like you know broken down and everything I just kind of I would try to remind everyone that this is this is hard work and so there were days when there were opportunities I couldn't be part of like there was I think there was a weekend which we had weekends off so there was a weekend on a Saturday when they were um, doing a rehearsal at this new place we hadn't shot at and I was just hearing whisperings about it like in the wind and (laughs) I have major FOMO I do not like to not be involved me too (laughs) so like (laughs) 
as you can see like i had one mentor i gave myself to i said i don't want to just know the first ad i love him i want to also know the director i want to be the only one with two like i want to make sure i'm covered yeah. you know so i i heard that they were they were going only all the big players were going to this um, rehearsal and i was like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in I have to do it and I was like this is my movie moment Let, let's go on a montage let's do it so I ran around like a crazy person I talked to everyone I needed to talk to blah 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 ask this person that person this person that person this person, until I eventually just got to Sean and Josh and I was like hey can I can I come tomorrow like this is a week of like me asking everyone I'm like you know what? I'm tired of asking everyone but you I'm just gonna ask you and they're like oh yeah of course and so I got there and I, I made this point of because you know how they say especially with black people or just people of color like, you have to work twice as hard as they do to make half what they make, right? And yeah. I got there and people were standing, and that's fine. Like, the people that were not the director and the first AD and the actors who needed to be moving and the major players were just kind of standing there and just watching and taking notes. And I was like, that's good for you. I don't know when next I'll get to be in this room until I'm a director, so I'm going to go closer because those people are way too far from me. So I went all the way to where they were and I stood under the ground. I found my way under them. So I wasn't in their way, <laughs> but I could listen. And I just stayed there and I just like listened and just listened and took it all in and took it all in. And then when lunchtime came, I think my favorite part was everyone started eating, which of course, please eat. But I took my food and I put it away. I was the only one who didn't eat. And I stood at the table where the director, the first AD and the producer were sitting and they were planning this shot and they were eating. And I just, I didn't even sit, I just stood in front of the table. And they're like, do you need anything? I was like, no, I'm going to listen, though. And they're like, oh, OK. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't know when next I'm going to get to do this. You don't understand what it means that I'm here. So I'm not going to eat right now because when I go home, I can eat. Let's talk. So I just stood there and they were like, OK. And I could I noticed they would keep looking at me just like surprised I was still standing there. I'm like, if you are here for four hours, I will be standing for four hours. Right. This is what you <laughs> this is what you view as excellence. I would love to sit, but I will be standing, you know, so yeah, like, that's kind of the attitude I had the whole time is you will not see me slacking at any point. And even though I don't have a defined job here, like this is not just a field trip to me. So I will start wiping down the art if you need me to. <laughs> I will start yeah. mopping the floors if you need me to. I need you to know how much I want to be here. And so that was that was the attitude I had to have every day because when people put you on their sets like that and you're not necessarily like invited, you know, by everyone, you're only invited by the powerful people. You have to prove that you're not just a legacy child who just was handpicked out of a lottery. So it was a lot of proving yeah. that to people in the industry who have a hard time understanding a lot of that and why diversity is necessary and why this child is here when everyone has 30 years of experience in their pockets. And I'm like, I can't fixate on that. So I'm just kind of going to work as hard as I can so that when you do see me, you're not surprised that I'm where I am, you know? So yeah, of project. course. Did you, that sounds like an amazing experience and good for you for really like not taking mm -hmm. that experience for granted. It sounds like every second that you were there, you were just continually proving that you deserve to be there. You know, you deserved more yeah. than a seat at the table. Um, did that, exp did, did that mentality that you have, how was that kind of paid off for you? I know you personally, that probably is just a standard you have for yourself, but W mm -hmm. Were there any like tangible kind of benefits from behaving that way on set? Did anybody notice you? Did anyone say anything to you? Um, honestly, yes. I I made some very amazing relationships while I was there. The connections I made were beyond connections because I don't understand the concept of make connections because 
that's so surface level okay i yeah. said hi to you and shook your hand does that mean that you will now fund my movie absolutely not so <laughs> i like i don't understand the make your own connections okay um i have always believed in making relationships i think that it's important that you are a ray of light to the people around you like they see the value you add when you step into the room and so i tried to do that and i think i made it work i i have a really great relationship with Sean still, um, I'm able to get in contact with Brian if and when I need to. But I think the most important was um, Josh and his sister, Mary McLaughlin. They, Mary was the producer. So she is my gold standard for producer. Like, and Josh is my gold standard for an AD. Like they are excellence at its core. And Mary and I got so close and I, I told her so much about myself and she actually inspired me to make a feature film about my life and so did mark ruffalo who was also in the movie because mark and i had a really good bond as well and um i told him a bit about my story and he inspired me to also make to write about it so i decided you know writing is going to translate into a movie so with the connection with mary i'm currently working on a feature right now and there's a lot of things in the work and she's still in contact with me and we're just figuring out how this is going to work but like that's an amazing thing i got out of it because i didn't just want to walk out and be like oh yeah i did this it's like now I've moved to Vancouver, so I'm only a few hours from LA. Like, I'm here. Yeah. So, I, once I made that move to work on the Adam project, there was no going back for me. Like, I can only go upwards and make sure I'm looking in my rearview mirror to remember where I came from. But at this point, there is no going back to where I started. So, it's just kind of they propelled me here, and now it's every day. It's just writing, and I have like five or six shorts that I literally have in development right now while I'm working on this other movie um, with help, the help from the producer intern who worked on the Adam project from the group that Ryan picked as well. So it's like a lot came out of it. Like a lot of stuff came out and I hope that, or I know in my heart that it's going to wind up being great. And even if it's not Oscar great, the Oscars are no longer my barometer for success anymore because that system is its own upside down mm-hmm. mess and i cannot deal with an academy of god knows who telling me that what i did was not art so i'm just going to focus on what i know which is if i can make as many people in the world feel a universal feeling every time they watch my movie i have won at everything <laughs> like if you can keep on watching mean girls and you still feel the same every time even though you're watching a bunch of mean girls just prance around in pink I can make you do that with my movie every time you watch it, you know? So you can go yeah. tell your friend, go watch it, and they're going to feel the same thing as you, the same like the same way Get Out did, you know? It's creepy to its core no matter how many times you watch it. Like, I'm going to pull a Jordan Peele on these people and let's, you know, take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You can only go up from here. Your trajectory, I've only known you for, I've gotten to know you for a little over an hour now, and I, there's no one more deserving in my opinion. You have such an amazing attitude. Um, you're so fun to talk to, but I just, I, I haven't come across anyone with the same kind of tenacious spirit that you have in such a kind of cutthroat industry. And I know that you're going to go far and like, and that I have a, this weird kind of thing about like how the universe is always like sending you signs. Like the fact that you were chosen um, to go to film school in the first place after not having any experience, yeah. the fact that th- those people there said, you know, this is the example that we're going to use for other people applying to enter the program. The fact that you were chosen out of 65,000 people 
for the the Adam project. You know, these are not coincidences. These are all because you worked so hard to get it. And it just it just really speaks to your your spirit and your passion. And I'm just so excited to see where you take it and what you have coming up next. Girl, same here. Same. I'm surprising myself with every passing second. So I'm just kind of like, yeah. I'm winging it, but <laughs> things are working. So it's fine. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So we're coming up um, at the, the end of the show here. Um, you'll, we'll have to have you back on to talk about, you know, all the other exciting projects you've worked on and all the, the future projects you will <laughs> definitely, um, pr- you know, come up on. But can you tell us, uh, can you plug anything here today? What exciting projects we can look out for you from you um, and where we can find you on social media? Uh, okay, so I mean, <laughs> I'm a very interesting kind of director in that I am not advertising myself because I don't feel like I'm worthy of being advertised yet. I do have Instagram, mm. but if you look at it, nothing about it shows that I'm a director, which is very interesting because that's not what I think Instagram is for. It's for everyone to flex and pretend they're something they're not. So I'm like, I don't have my work on Instagram and I don't have a website set up because again, I want to have the work behind my back to prove myself. I'm not going to have an empty website that's making me feel like I'm not doing enough at the ripe old age of 25 years young. So I totally I would understand say that. that. There's, stuff to, yeah. there's stuff to look out for from me. I, I'm putting out a bunch of shorts um, this year and I'll obviously like let you know, Cal, like when they come out so that you can, you know, we can talk about it on your podcast or anything like that. But I have a couple coming out, um, something called a texting series, which is going to be a very um, interesting deep dive into the way that the texting universe works. It's very immersive and it kind of shows you what's going on inside of like our phones while we're talking to each other and how much is missed in group conversations and in friendly conversations, things that are just being miscommunicated. Um, it's a very almost sci-fi deep delve into that. And there's going to be a lot of stuff based on the Turing test that I'm going to put out um, a feature film potentially and a short to kind of prep that, which is going to be really interesting. And I'm going to be putting into festivals as well. But the biggest I think is my um, self-proclaimed feature film about my life. And I've titled it Sing Like Her at this moment. And it's going to be based on my life and what it was like to be born (laughs) Um, as me because it was very unorthodox the way that I um, happened upon this world. So I feel like I really want to share that story. And that's going to be that's going to be my rose, but that's going to be my driving force. And it's going to be the thing that makes me me so that i think is going to come out hopefully in three years you know what i'm just declaring it at this point it's coming out in three years um i have a producer to pitch (laughs) it to and a million other things to plan but it's going to be my thing so i'll let you know as soon as that's solidified as well but i mean like i have instagram it's olympia underscore jasmine j-a-z-m-y-n if anyone wants to check it out (laughs) it's nothing interesting it's just my face a lot of the time but um (laughs) my work is when it's worthy of an audience it will come out but i will not ever put up mediocrity just for the sake of saying i'm a director and so that people recognize i think the people who know me know that i'm gonna do this and when i do it i'm gonna do it in the bang you know i'm not just gonna there's no little fanfare before it happens it's gonna shock you and awe you and then just kind of continue on that path for the rest of my career That's awesome. I love I love that outlook. And is there any way that the viewers and listeners of this podcast can support you as a filmmaker in the meantime while all these things are in the works? Honestly, um, 
right now I think that the only way to support me is to help me build the team that I need I think that spreading the things that I have talked about with you is the most important thing because when I create my company which is my dream that is my baby I've been thinking about it for years now when I create that I'm going to be hiring hundreds of people and I don't care if you went to film school and I don't care what your background did it's is it's about having a similar outlook that I have on life and being ready to comfortably have that in front of the entire world so I think that just having people open their minds and spread that open-mindedness so that when I open my doors to my company and I am like come through they are ready because people who can't get on board this ship will simply ha- they can't board <laughs> that's simply it so the only thing anyone can do right now is just be ready to be part of my team either by working in my company or just by being a part of my core group of supporters like I will feel it I feel it in the energy I know everyone who supports me and I feel all their auras on me and that is what keeps me going so like literally financially or in terms of social media there's nothing I need right now if I'm a very intrinsic person I just need the people to be ready because we're forming an army and we're we're gonna revamp Hollywood whether they like it or not you know Amazing, amazing. Well, I have my combat boots on. I'm ready to go. I think that the uh, the <laughs> listeners and viewers of this podcast can also agree. Olympia, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an awesome conversation. I'm so excited for for everyone to hear all the the knowledge that you dropped today. Um, you are a visionary in and of itself, and I'm so excited to see what you do. So again, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Of course. All right. As usual, thanks so much for listening and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.